0: The river was flowing fast and had overflowed its banks. It was beginning to flood the small town. Many people had already evacuated, but there were still some that remained, and the emergency personnel were trying their best to rescue them. One fellow, who had seen the floodwaters begin to rise and flood the first story of his house, climbed up onto his roof. He began to pray to God for help. In a little while, a man came by in a rowboat and said, jump in, I can save you. But the man said, oh, no, it's okay. I'm praying to God and God will save me. So the rowboat went on. Then a motorboat came by and again, the driver of the motorboat said, jump in, I can save you. But the man replied, no, 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 it's okay. I am praying to God and God will save me. So the motorboat driver shrugged his shoulders and went on. The waters began to rise, and now the man had to climb up to the peak part of his roof. Soon he heard a helicopter. It swooped in, and the emergency personnel shouted down with their bullhorn to the man. Grab this rope we are sending down to you, and we will rescue you. But the man for the third time said, No, thank you. I'm praying to God and God will save me. So the helicopter left to go save some other people. The man was swept away by the flood of waters and eventually drowned. When he was up in heaven, he was rather angry at God. In fact, he went. Found God and shouted at God and said, I was praying and I was praying and I was praying for you to save me. Why did you let me drown? To which God replied, I sent a rowboat, I sent a motorboat, I even sent you a helicopter. What more did you expect? My husband shared this joke with me many years ago, and it has become one of the favorites in our household because of the very truth in its humor in fact we can just say to one another are you waiting for the helicopter (laughs) and we know what the other person means and today I ask you how are we waiting for God what are we not seeing because we're expecting something else Have we closed our eyes and our heart to where God is showing up in our lives? I think this is what Mark is showing us in his gospel today. We are here now, this first Sunday of Lent, once more heading out into the wilderness. And we hear in Mark's gospel, it's rather stark. Both his wording, his description his tone all stark and to the point in fact he tells us in one long sentence what the wilderness is what the wilderness will be 40 days temptations wild animals and angels boy I wish mark would give a little bit more to work with but That's what we got today. Jesus has just left the experience of baptism. The joy of hearing God's voice and being recognized as the beloved. His heart must have felt full as though it was going to burst. He must have felt complete. Loved fully for who he was and who he was to become. Life must have felt safe. And all must have felt good. And then the wilderness enveloped him. Mark tells us that Jesus is driven out into the wilderness. The term that Mark uses, driven out, can be thought of in a physical sense. There is no alternative. This is not a gentle invitation to enter the wilderness. And Jesus is not going to be in the wilderness for a short visit. This is not a camping trip where they'll rough it for a few days and then be back in civilization. In biblical terms, 40 is a big number. It's the way that the Bible tells us that someone is suffering for an extended period of time. Noah was on the ark for 40 days. The Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years. 40 is big. And once Jesus is in the wilderness, he's not alone, just wandering around, admiring the scenery. He encounters Satan. Those times where Jesus is tempted to not be himself, to not act as the son of God, to listen to earthly voices and to turn away from God's voice. And in addition to these voices, Mark tells us that there are wild beasts. Again, the word that Mark uses is not the sort of beast that we can marvel at when we're in the wilderness, like a roadrunner or perhaps a hawk up in the sky. No, these are the wild beasts that are life-threatening. In our world, northern California, these would be the rattlesnakes, The mountain lions, scorpions, things like that. But Mark tells us there's a fourth element in the wilderness angels. They wait on Jesus. They don't whisk him away, they don't protect him from the evil and the beasts. They accompany him, they are beside him, they are his companions. They are the ones that sustain him when he feels like he has been abandoned. And as succinct as Mark might be in his language, he is also very complete. He has covered all the bases. Do those four descriptions, 40 years, temptation, wild beasts, and angels, sound familiar to you when you reflect on your wilderness experiences? I know it feels familiar to me when I reflect on those times that I felt separated from God. One of these times occurred in my life when I first headed off to college. I grew up in a small suburban town since I was a toddler. I had attended kindergarten through 12th grade in the same public school district with many of my same friends and my family had developed a close-knit neighborhood group. I had been loved, and supported, and felt seen in this community when I was growing up. And then I went off to college. I had no idea that my experience was any different from anyone else's. And I heard a lot of stories. Attending a school of 20,000 people away from my family and my friends was a shock to my system. I felt like I had been kicked out into the wilderness. My first six months or so, I felt alone and I felt lost. And it certainly felt more than 40 days. And at times, I just felt overwhelmed with the circumstances that were presented to me over and over and over again. During those first few weeks and months, many things to come, seemed to come at me. The question of who I was going to be felt active and alive in these months. And as is the case, often when we first move away from our childhood and our upbringing, we have the opportunity and the challenge to decide who we're going to be. And in most cases, you can pick anyone. At times, the temptation to be someone new and exciting, someone attractive to others, financially successful, et cetera, can override what God might be calling you to do. And we are challenged by what voice to listen to. In my wilderness, these challenges also were surrounded by wild beasts. These beasts were the poor choices that 18, 19, 20-year-olds can often make being on their own for the first time involving alcohol and drugs that can have life-changing consequences. They are real wild beasts and very, very frightening. But as Mark tells us so starkly in his story, Jesus is not abandoned by God. There are angels. And that is why the story of the man on the roof is so funny and poignant at the same time. God never abandons us. God is always with us, but sometimes we struggle to see God. We blindly miss the angels that are in our lives to accompany us. The rowboats, the motorboats, sometimes even the helicopters that God sends to swoop in to be with us in our darkest days. In my first days at college, there were angels there as well. I found a couple of friends that I grew to trust, that loved and respected the person that I was becoming. I found a faith community that I felt comfortable in and received me with open arms. And the days got better. Eventually, I remember about six months or so into my first year at school, I realized I was actually looking forward to going back to school. I knew I had finally turned a corner. I believe there's something else that Mark reminds us of in this gospel. I find that often we travel through the wilderness. In other words, we don't go into the wilderness and then exit out the same way. We can't. We've been changed forever. Somehow we go into the wilderness and we leave in a different direction. Maybe right now you might feel like you are in the wilderness, like God is far away and the wild beasts are outnumbering the angels. Or perhaps you feel like you have just been in some wilderness time and are beginning to feel like you too might be just just barely coming around the corner. As we enter Lent, no matter where you are in your spiritual wanderings, Take a few moments to reflect on wilderness times in your life. We often leave behind the comfortable when we are in the wilderness. And when we have moved on, we need to ask ourselves a question. What do I leave behind in the wilderness that I no longer need? And what do I want to carry with me? This is the framing that we use as we enter liturgically and seasonally into this Lenten wilderness for the next 40 days. What do I leave behind me in the wilderness that I no longer need? And what do I need to carry forward with me? What are the wild beasts that are circling? And where are the angels? Please don't miss those angels because you're looking for something bigger than a rowboat. Open your eyes, open your heart, because they are there to accompany you. They will be with you when you traverse the difficult terrain in the wilderness, and they will see you out to the other side. Amen.